This is Cruise Radio. Now more than ever, you should consider trip insurance for any kind of trip you take, not just cruises. Get a free quote at tripinsurance.com. Broadcasting from the tripinsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida, this is Cruise Radio. Hey, how's it going? My name is Doug Parker. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Cruise Radio. Very happy to have you here. Going to drop the show one day early this week just because Christmas right around the corner. Are you ready for it? I hope you are. Staff writer Richard Sims just returned from a seven-night cruise on Carnival's Mardi Gras. He'll be here in just a couple of seconds to give us his full review of the ship and then some, especially his thoughts about booking the Excel suite. Let's see. Cruise news today can be found just opposite of this channel. Get updated about the cruise news five days a week, or you can find it on the Cruise Radio YouTube channel. All right. Staff writer Richard Sims, as I just mentioned, returned from a seven-night Eastern Caribbean cruise aboard Carnival's Mardi Gras, and he joins us on the line. Hello, Richard. Hey, thanks for having me. All right, Richard. Well, we checked in with you a couple of weeks ago when you were on your aft balcony living life in San Juan, Puerto Rico on Mardi Gras. You've been back. You've had time to process your sailing. So I want to talk all about it because this was your first cruise in two years. And you normally cruise out of the New York City metro area because you're in New York State. But you decided to come down here to Florida to join us for this one. So let's take a step back. Give me some pre-cruise thoughts. In the weeks leading up to it, I have to admit, I went back and forth a lot. Um, And I talked to you and sought your advice a lot about it because I was nervous. You know, in this day and age, I was actually more nervous about getting on a plane in the age of COVID than I was being on a cruise ship. You know, because when I got on the ship, I knew the ship is sailing with vaccinated people. There are no such requirements um, at the airport or on a plane. So I was very nervous about it and having a lot of second thoughts. I think if it had been any ship other than Mardi Gras... I probably would have canceled or at least strongly considered canceling. But I've been excited about Mardi Gras ever since they first announced this ship. So it was sort of I just had to do it. And you're up in New York State. You had to make your way down to Florida to board Mardi Gras. You flew into Orlando that made your way over to Port Canaveral. Any pre-cruise time? No, in fact, I really kind of did that thing that we always tell people you shouldn't do, which is I flew in the day of the cruise. I was, you know, which is kind of a stupid thing to do, especially when you're flying out of New York in the dead of winter. I mean, one storm and I could have missed this cruise. Fortunately, everything went really well. I mean, it was a little bit of a pain in the butt because I now, you know, I used to travel out of New York City because it was right in my backyard. But now it's about you know, even getting to the airport is a two hour drive because I live in the middle of nowhere now. So it was kind of stupid, but I did make everything work out great. I got to Orlando airport around 11 o'clock and was able to make my way over to the terminal pretty easily. I used the carnival um, bus over to the terminal. So, yeah, it, it, it went OK. Now, with you doing, um, you know, flying in day of the cruise, when did you actually do your pre-cruise test, uh, the antigen test? The night before I had actually done one. I did one a week before because I wanted to make sure that if there were any problems, I was able to deal with them in advance. I didn't want to be that person who like takes their test at the last minute and is like, oh, crap, I'm not going to be able to cruise. So I wasn't terribly worried, but it's always kind of a weird process Like you're always a little bit nervous. What if I actually, mm-hmm. you know, what if it comes back positive? But I did it the night before. There were no problems, you know, and they they upload the app onto your phone and it's it's pretty easy. Yeah, we get a lot of listener emails about that pre-cruise at home test you can do. And 
I have always said I've done, I think, 10 of them now. Uh, pretty simple. Was it pretty intuitive, pretty easy? And this was your first time doing it. It was. And yeah, I, I mean, I thought that it was the, the hardest part really is getting your camera angles right, because <laughs> right. at certain points they want to like look at the box then they want to look at the, you know, the code and they have to watch you while you're doing the test. And so it's kind of a game of constantly having to just adjust your camera angle just right. But that's really the hardest part. Of yeah. It. So you make your way to Mardi Gras. It's time to embark the ship for your seven night cruise. How was the embarkation process and how different was it from your last carnival cruise? Well, I'm going to be honest here, and the embarkation is sort of one of the first points where I had a little bit of disappointment. So I actually, one of the things I did in booking this ship was having not cruised in two years and being a little bit nervous about, like, you know, being on a ship under these circumstances, I booked myself into one of those amazing Carnival Excel aft wraparound balconies. I mean, it's, 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 you know, I wanted to have a lot of space so that if I decided not to be, you know, wandering around the ship, I would have plenty of space. I wouldn't feel like I was stuck in my cabin. So with that, you know, I sort of assumed that the level of perks and things would be a little bit higher. Like they had what they called priority embarkation for people with the Carnival Excel aft suites and, and actually any of the Excel suites. But it didn't seem like Carnival's version of priority meant the same thing as my version. You know, when I've traveled on NCL, for example, I have like, you know, platinum or platinum plus status. And so it's sort of along the same lines. When I arrive at the terminal, um, their version of priority is they take you to a separate checkout line. They, you know, they, they process you through and then they actually walk you onto the ship. Um, here, they told, I had priority access, but until it didn't actually start until you were in the terminal. So I had to stand in the line. Now, and I don't want to sound like one of those people who's like, my God, they made me stand in line. How dare they? But like, it just, I stood in line for a half hour, 45 minutes outside the terminal. And then when I got in the terminal, they took me to, you know, a separate place aside from where everybody else was checking in. So it really didn't like save all that much time. And it really didn't feel very much like priority. And this was something I heard a lot from sweet guests over and over uh, during the course of the week that, that, you know, the level of sort of, what you might expect given how much you're paying for a suite like that. And again, that makes me sound like so privileged and I don't mean it that way, but I'm giving an honest assessment of, you know, sort of what my expectations were based on what I know other cruise lines do and what I actually experienced. So embarkation wasn't, I mean, it wasn't bad, but it wasn't what I expected. Yeah. And it's, it's like a, kind of comparing it. I've read the same thing on message boards, like with even like with first class these days on airplanes like some people, you know, they would always roll the red carpet out with the meals and everything. And now it's just you're paying the same fare, but instead of getting like a hot meal, you're getting a boxed, a boxed meal with a sandwich and a stick of cheese or something, you know? Right. I feel like, you know, this is really Carnival's first time doing something as high end as this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, in no way, shape or form do I regret doing it. I mean, you know, I happily paid the price and, and had an amazing trip. But I say these things as a way of for people who have done other lines and are thinking about doing, you know, this is this is something completely new for Carnival. Carnival is upping its game a little bit with this ship in a mm -hmm. lot of ways. And so I think that people who might not have thought about doing Carnival before might consider it and might consider these like, you know, oh, look, they have these great suites. I should put myself into that. Yeah. I think it's 
okay to, to, to sort of let people know what to expect. And again, I had a great cruise, but these are things that, you know, came up along the way. Okay. So from curb to ship, how long? Oh, probably about 45, 50 minutes, something okay. like that. So you make your way on board the ship. What were your first impressions? I know you've seen a lot of the photos. You've even helped me put some stuff together on the ship. So actually seeing it in person, what were your thoughts? Can't compare. I mean, when I first walked on board, it's obviously a very emotional moment for those of us who love cruising. And, you know, you haven't been on a ship for two years. So, yes, I did cry a little bit. And at first I felt really self-conscious about that, but I looked around and saw other people also, you know, in the emotional grip of this experience. So I was like, okay, that's okay. You know, Carnival, I've always liked that when Carnival, when you get on their ships, you enter into an atrium. And this atrium in particular, because of the the three-story wall of glass, just makes a stunning impression. The interesting thing here is a lot of times atriums can get crowded very quickly because, you know, because everybody dumps into them. But here, it was such a big space that it really sort of immediately, people sort of had plenty of space, which obviously in this day and age is kind of important. So it just, it made a great impression. One thing I noticed about the ship is, you know how when you go onto a carnival ship, normally the first thing you're greeted by is the atrium bar and people tend to stop there to get their first drink of the cruise and it creates a choke point in a way. But here, the atrium bar per se um, is actually off to the side. So you're not having to stop and get that. You can still stop and get the first drink, but while you're stopping, you're not causing a backlog. Yeah, it's really, um, there's there's good things and bad things to that location, um, which we'll get to later, but you're very right. Like there's, the, the crowds seem to disperse much easier because they don't immediately like, woohoo, focus on that bar. It probably also helps that in the way they're doing things now, the first thing you really want to do when you get on board is do the whole mustard drill thing and get it out of the way. Yeah. So I think a lot of people being aware of that immediately like sought out their mustard stations and were like, let's get that done and then we'll start drinking. How was that process for you? so easy so so easy the hardest part was finding my station because mm. i i was looking for something that didn't actually exist my, <laughs> my mustard station was something like it was like say it was 6f and i was wandering around looking for like 6z and there is no such thing so it took me a minute to like realize that i was reading the card wrong but you know once you got there it was you know they checked your thing they talked to you for like three seconds and then you just watched a video on your phone while you're sitting there having a drink it could not have been easier and i will be shocked if carnival or any other cruise line really ever goes back to the old way of doing things because you know i have to imagine that if you're filling out a customer satisfaction if you're reading customer satisfaction forms Every single person is like, this is the best thing ever. Yeah, no, I agree. And they had to jump through a lot of hoops to make that possible with the Coast Guard. So I think they're probably, this is probably something that's here to stay, at least. And that's one of the good things that's going to be here to stay. Uh, so let's talk about the stateroom you had on board the Seven Night Cruise. It was an Excel suite. So what is the difference, I guess, between an Excel suite and just a regular balcony stateroom? Well, this particular suite, so I didn't just have an Excel suite. I had the aft facing corner Excel, you nice. know, like, like it's like the second highest level of, of, of stateroom you can get on the ship. And 
The stateroom itself is beautiful. It's two rooms. You walk in and there's a, a nice big living room, um, which has a bed that can convert into, you know, a, a, or has a couch that can convert into a bed. The bathroom is humongous. It's got, um, it's a, it's actually two different bathrooms combined into one. It's got this shower with not only the rain head and then like all of the side nozzles that like blast you from everywhere. So, you know, just stand there like you're in a car wash. The bedroom is very big, very comfortable. There's two big screen TVs, flat screen TVs, one in the living room, one in the bedroom. But honestly, this suite is all about the balcony. Um, the the same room was fine. It wasn't. I, I thought there were some things they could tweak. Like I didn't like the placement of the bed because it really created a very narrow walkway as you walk into the um, stateroom, which seemed odd. There was no reason for it. They could have moved it over a few feet and gotten rid of that problem. But the balcony, um, the balcony has entrances from both the bedroom and the living room. And it literally wraps around the back of the ship. So there's, um, there's two really big, comfy loungers. There's a dining room table for four people. There's a huge circular day bed. You could probably sleep like five people on that thing. Then you go around the corner. There's a rocking chair, a little couch, another rocking chair, and a hot tub. So, I mean, the the balcony is actually probably more spacious than the actual stateroom itself. It was that balcony is the wow factor that you're looking for. That is what you're paying for. And, you know, a little piece of advice for people who are thinking about booking one of these. I originally was booked in a forward-facing version of this. And it was a little bit cheaper than the aft-facing. But what I realized very close to sale date was that um, in the forward-facing ones, they don't have glass around the balcony or plexiglass, whatever it is. It's steel. So, you know, you can't, see through it, obviously. And I really love nothing more than sitting on a lounger and, you know, sort of looking at the water. So I called to check and see if there was availability on the aft-facing ones, which do have the plexiglass. And there were, and it was, you know, a significant amount more, but I was like, you know what? Like I said, first time in two years, let's do it up. So I switched, but just know that the forward facing versions of these, um, the balcony isn't quite as big and impressive and it does have steel instead of plexiglass. Okay. That's good to know. Very good. Let's talk about dining on this seven night cruise and we'll start uh, right out of the gate up in the buffet area, the Lido marketplace. How was it? How are the protocols? Things like that. I really don't know a whole lot about the buffet. I walked through a couple times. I think I stopped once to get a tray because one of my favorite things to do on this ship was to go to like street eats or big chicken and get a few different things and then take them back to the suite because uh, I had that great outdoor table and I would just sit out in, on the on the, the balcony and eat. The buffet seemed, you know, it was a mix of self-serve and grab and go. Um, they seemed to have a decent selection, lots of seating, plenty and plenty of seating. And you could also take it outside back to the area around the Tides Bar, um, which is where Street Eats was. So, you know, you could also supplement whatever you got from the buffet from Street Eats. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, I didn't I didn't really use the buffet at all. All right. How about the main dining room? What kind well, what time dining did you have and how was your experience in there? 
Well, okay. So I actually only ate in the main dining room once, and that was for the sea day brunch. And one of the reasons for that, well, there's two reasons for that. One, there were so many dining options on this ship, and I was determined to eat in as many places as I possibly could. So I never actually had dinner in the main dining room. I originally had booked late dining, the late seating. And Something to know about that. I don't know if this is fleet-wide, but it's certainly true on this ship. So if you have late dining and you decide that you want to eat in one of the free restaurants that requires a reservation, like, for example, Shebang or Guy's Smoke and Anchor Pig House, you cannot do it until like right before your window for late dining opens. So if your late dining window is like it starts at, I think it's 7, 7.45 or 8 o'clock you actually cannot make a reservation in those on the app or in person until 7.45. And the reason they do that is because on this ship, um, I think they kind of realized after they rolled the ship out that they may not have enough room in the main dining rooms for everybody. And so in several of the restaurants, including Shebang, um, Kachina, Del Capitano, and uh, one or two others, you can actually order off of not only the menu that they have there, but you can order off of the main dining room menu as well. Uh, that helps them sort of spread things out across the ship, and they don't have quite as much the log jam in the dining room. But in order for that to really work, they've sort of put this rule in place where if you have late dining, you can't go to these establishments until then. So I actually called my concierge, that's one of the things that comes with the suite, and asked them to switch my dining time to the earlier time. Because if you have early dining then or anytime dining, then you can, you know, then you can go to these restaurants earlier. And they said they were going to, but they never actually did. Um, which again, another thing that, you know, that kind of annoyed me about about the level of service um given you know, that's supposedly priority. But at the same time, it didn't matter because I wound up eating in so many restaurants. It was pretty incredible. Yeah, that's one thing, too. Like, I, I was actually pricing, just kind of pricing the cabin type that you were staying in. And it's uh, it's damn near close to ten grand for two people. And it's just, you would kind of expect a little bit more because you could pay a lot less on other cruise lines and get a lot more for those kind of accommodations. Well, the, the example that I've been using is Norwegian, which has, of course, the Haven, their ship within the ship concept. And their staterooms, they're similar staterooms. Now, they don't, you know, they don't have the balcony that this did. And again, this, this balcony is, you know, a killer. But um, if you're staying in the Haven, you have a private bar, a private restaurant, a private sun deck, a private pool, like, and, and you have a butler you have, you know, a concierge desk where they will help you make any arrangements you need and stuff. So to be paying more on Carnival and receiving a lot less, that's a little bit of a head scratcher to me. Yeah, I guess it's also kind of about value too, right? Like let's just say yes. uh, a Garth Brooks ticket in, in Vegas is $250. I would pay that in a heartbeat where you would be like, I wouldn't pay a dollar to see him, you know? <laughs> Right. <laughs> so I guess it's all, you know, what, it, what it's worth to you is all that really matters. Um, so talking about dining and continuing on here, let's talk about some of the specialty restaurants. Of course, you have Chebang, there's Emeralds, which is a a la carte type place. Um, Guy's Smokehouse kind of just hit me with all of them. I ate at them all. Nice. And let me tell you, I did not have 
a bad meal on this ship. Probably the closest thing to a bad meal I had was in um, Rudy's Sea Grill, um, which is the seafood restaurant that they have with celebrity chef Rudy Soderman. And it wasn't that it was a bad meal. It was that I ordered badly. Um, Mm -hmm. I mean, like I started with the calamari, which was incredible. But from there, I sort of ventured away from things. And I sort of talk, took some advice from the person at the table next to me because we were chatting and it wasn't a bad meal. And I'm sure if I was more of a seafood lover, I would have absolutely loved it. But for me, it wasn't a great meal. But Shebang, which is their their new restaurant that half of the menu is Chinese, half of the men, menu is Mexican, and you can mix and match and order whatever you want. I went there twice and both times just had a phenomenal, phenomenal meal. And again, this is included in your cruise fare price. The guys, pig and anchors, smokehouse, brew house, always good. Um, and again, where that is uh, a four fee establishment on some of the other ships in the fleet here as part of their effort to spread the dining diners around the ship it's included and they have like this cool little menu that you go through and you you know check what you want and you can mix and match there as well um so that was fantastic the one bad thing was (laughs) and not really bad it was my mistake they have um a section of the menu there that is daily specials and based on something you had said i was very excited about Tuesday being pork belly. So I sit down and I get my little thing and I'm ordering and I'm like, you know, can I order from here and from here? And she's like, yeah, but sweetie, um, today's Wednesday. The pork belly is on Tuesday. I had completely lost track of what day it was and I missed the pork belly. Um, oh. So that's my my only complaint about that. Um, that was so good Emeralds, too. Well, oh, I know. You raved about that pork belly and I'm so mad that I missed it. But <laughs> Uh, Emeralds was amazing. What I did with Emeralds was on one of the formal nights, you know, I really didn't feel like dealing with the crowds that you get with everybody, you know, lining up to take pictures uh, and everybody being all dressed up to go into the dining rooms and have the lobster, which I don't really care about. So I took advantage of that night and went to Emeralds. And one thing I will say about Emeralds is it is the perfect place to go with somebody and to share things. I was traveling by myself and I really wanted to try a bunch of things. So I ordered like seven things off the menu and there weren't many people in the restaurant that night. Cause everybody, it was formal nights. So everybody was going to other places, but I will say that everyone who was in that restaurant was looking at my table, like, wow, you are a pig, sir. And um, <laughs> I really could have used someone there to share um, because everything is made in such a way that it's perfect for two people or even three. Um, but it was, phenomenal um really good meal everything there is you know priced per small plate and and it's just a a really great selection of food where else did i eat i did the steakhouse i loved the steakhouse i actually had one of the best meals of the week in the steakhouse it just everything was perfect from start to end you know the steak was perfectly cooked i had very nice people at the table next to me um like three or four groups of us um all started a a little conversation um it also it's a great atmosphere in that it was very quiet even with us you know we were talking in hushed voices but uh it's just a wonderful atmosphere i did that on the last night of the cruise because i think that's you know i think that's the a lovely way to end your your cruise is to to go to the steakhouse the the bar at the front of the steakhouse is so cool whereas it's been an afterthought on other ships here it really feels like its own space like you could totally just go and have a nice quiet drink at that bar it's it's a fantastic experience so yeah i had a lot of food on this ship and i still didn't hit every place there were still places that i never got to 
But you are you were raving all along about Street Eats, so that sounded like it was a pretty pretty popular place. Amazing. Um, the one the one problem with it is that like if you want to go to all three of the windows. So for those who don't know, Street Eats is basically set up like three. Um, it, it looks sort of like three food trucks. Four if you count the seafood shack, which isn't really part of Street Eats, but it's situated right next to it. And the seafood shack is. A for fee venue, whereas the other three are all free. One has like a different kind of French fries every day, like loaded French fries or you know whatever. One has steamed bao buns, which I'd never had before, and they're amazing. And the other has, um, I think it was like pad thai, that kind of thing. And the best way to do it is to go and get one from each. But unfortunately, they don't have trays available there, so it can be a little bit of a balancing act once you've gotten your three things to try and, you know, get to a table. But really, 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 really fantastic food. Can't, can't it's it was total hit for me. Nice. Now let's talk about the entertainment on this seven day cruise. And how was the the theater entertainment? Did you get to catch the Family Feud show? I caught the Family Feud show. It was incredible, as was the various stages leading up to it. You know, it's really fun to watch people auditioning and and all of that. I will say that this is another thing where, just like there was so much food on the ship that I couldn't hit every venue, there was so much entertainment on this ship that I didn't get to see every show. You know, um, a lot of times when you travel on a ship, there's, you know, like, like when you travel in Norwegian, there's usually one big Broadway style show, you know, like maybe they'll have rock of ages or something like that. And then there's a couple of other, you know, little shows, whatever here. Uh, okay. So there was a show called Broadway beats, which was a playlist production. That was the one show that I didn't actually enjoy. I'll be honest. It, it just, I don't understand why they chose the songs they chose. The staging was awkward. It just, it just wasn't a great show. Um, it's the one show I will say that I saw people walking out of, you know, and not just like you who gets bored in a show and leaves, but people who clearly did not enjoy the show and, and left. One of the things they do on this ship is use that amazing stage in the atrium. They put down ginormous three story high screens and they use them to amazing effect. They had, I'm trying to think there were two New Orleans themed shows. There were were two circus themed shows. They did Celestial Strings, which is one of my favorite shows that they first introduced back on. I think it was on Carnival Sunrise. And that was just in that venue. Um, And these were incredible shows. At one point, they have a show called Voodoo Moon. I believe it's called. And it's all set in like, you know, New Orleans. It's it's the first time I've seen a playlist production where you actually could follow the story. There was actually a story linking the songs. But they also had like these aerialists and there were these girls on these ginormous poles that were that, that were flinging themselves through the air in a way that I was sure they were going to die at any moment. It was just it was wild and impressive and uh, just a great use of the space. Now, the one thing, and this circles back to something we mentioned about the atrium when we started. So off to the side is the atrium bar. There's also a, another bar on the second level, but that one, that one's fine. But the problem with the bar on the lower level is it's very near where they put on these, these shows. And at least two different nights, there were all, there were groups of very loud, very boisterous, very drunk people in that bar. And that's cool. You know, that's, we've all been that person, but it's really disturbing when there's a show going on. Like I actually felt bad for the actors because they were so loud. And again, they were just having a great time. That's what you do on a cruise ship. But it was really disturbing to the audience trying to watch the show. So I don't know that, that, 
There was also a little bit of an issue with there's so many different performances going on that you get. I don't know if the lead through is really the right word, but for example, during Celestial Strings, during some of the quieter moments, you could hear the really loud, really awesome jazz band that was playing just down the hallway at the um, Brass Magnolia. So, you know, there were a couple of issues like that, but man, there's so much good entertainment on this ship. Yeah, and how about these zones? Talk to us about these zones because there are six different zones on this ship and every zone has its own little entertainment area as well. Yeah, the only zone that really like to me stood out was the French quarter. I mean, the French quarter is incredible. It feels, it's very much like how Disney has, you know, um, you know, different areas like fantasy land and adventure land. A lot of the zones sort of blend together. Although I suppose the Italians on La Piazza, um, that feels like another zone too. I liked that, but the French quarter is perfectly themed. You know, you've got the fortune teller bar where they make these really cool drinks. They've got the, the brass Magnolia where there is, um, a band playing every night and it's a gorgeous bar. And it just, it looks like you've stepped into old new Orleans. Uh, the one thing I will say about both the brass Magnolia and the fortune tellers bar is this is not a place much like the alchemy bar. This is not a place to go and grab a quick cocktail because it takes a while to make these drinks. A lot of the drinks on the menu, um, like the Pim's cup or the third eye blind, things like that. They're very involved. And so you have to have a little bit of patience because, you know, the bar, it takes a while for the bartenders to make these, these kind of exotic drinks. But the French Quarter is just, it's its amazing. The other zones, you know, like the sports zone, is really just the sports square that you've had on other ships. Although here, we do have the roller coaster, of course. La Piazza has a nice new bar called Bar Della Rosa that features, um, I mean, you can get any kind of drink there, but they feature Italian coffees and Italian drinks. It opens early in the morning, and it has both an indoor and an outdoor area. And I'll tell you, Vera, the bartender at the outside version of Bar Della Rosa is hands down one of the best bartenders I've ever had. You should swing by and say hello. So yeah, the, the zones are, are, are very cool. Um, there are a couple that stand out. The others, you know, like the Lido. The Lido is the Lido. It's not really a zone. It's just the Lido deck. Uh, I think what'll be interesting is to see what they've, they've said that on the upcom- one of the upcoming ships, there's going to be two new zones introduced. It'll be really interesting to see what those zones are. Like, what do they decide they can do that's similar to the French Quarter? Well, how were the outside spaces? And also talk to us about your experience on the roller coaster. A lot of people say you have to ride it more than once. Did you ride it more than once? I did. I wrote it twice. Okay. You also, I really, 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 you mentioned this to me, and I'm glad that I listened to your advice. Make a reservation early in the week. And maybe make a couple. You can always cancel them later because my first two reservations were both canceled because if it's too windy, the the roller coaster doesn't operate. So both of my first two reservations were canceled. Um, But I had made several. The minute I got off it the first time, I made another one. It's super cool. It It is only like 30 to 45 seconds, depending on how fast you go. It is now $15 for two laps. They 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 started at two, then they went down to one, and now they're back up to two laps. And you need that second lap because the first lap, you're sort of just kind of getting your sea legs, so to speak, and figuring out how it works and how the boost button works. And the second, the second leg, you just push that boost button the whole time and just have the most amazing experience. They have photographers who take your picture. It's the one picture I bought. I never buy ship photos, but had to have that one. 
And when you get the picture, you realize that you look a lot, uh, you look a lot like you're playing Mario Kart, <laughs> you know, like you're on a motorcycle playing Mario Kart. It is, it is an incredible experience. Um, I highly, highly recommend it. And it works well. The reservation system means you never wind up having to stand in line. They do a pretty good job of spacing it out so that only the number of people, you know, I think when I went up for my second ride, there were like six people in front of me. So you really never wind up having to stand in a long line to experience it. Yeah, it was, we did it the first day and then the very last, last sea day we did it. And uh, people start getting the whole FOMO thing. So the last, very last day was kind of a hard, a hard reservation to get. So we actually did it the last sea day. And uh, it's just, it's just wild, man. Like you're on a roller coaster in the middle of the ocean. Like that's, it's a gimmick, but I, I totally bought into it twice as well. Yeah, it, I, I was like, take all my money. Yeah, I, exactly. I don't care, you know, <laughs> especially doing it on a sea day when you're in the middle of the ocean. It's just not that you really have a lot of time to look around, but it's terrifying and exhilarating at the exact same time. Yeah, let's talk about the outdoor area because you had access to the special, what's it called, the Loft 19 because you had an Excel suite booked? Yep. Loft 19 is sort of a private sun deck. And this is another area where I was like, hmm, they could probably learn something from NCL because here's the thing. Loft 19 is directly above Serenity. Serenity has on this ship has a gorgeous pool. It's huge. There's lots of like loungers around. There is a bar there is on sea days, they set up like the salad bar and stuff. So, you know, Serenity is awesome on this ship. Loft 19, there's no bar. They do have bar service, but I, I found it very hard to get a drink. I sat there for 30 minutes one day and nobody came by. There's no pool. There is like sort of those, they're sort of like two, I don't want to call them hot tubs. They're more like warm tubs um, that overlook Serenity. But as I was sitting in the hot tub looking down on Serenity, I was like, wow, that looks so much better down there. So... You know, they have cabanas up there, but you that is not included in the price of your uh, Carnival Excel aft suite. It's something that you can rent, you know, pay an additional price to use. There weren't a lot of people up there, and I just think that it it is not the most successful concept because, again, there are better perks to be had down in Serenity, which is open to everyone. So that felt like another area where, you know, if I'm paying a lot of money to stay in one of these special suites, I'm like, hmm, I, I, I feel like that was a mess. Especially with the in the hot tub or warm tub, as you call it, up there on Loft 19, there is that it's almost like you're in an aquarium, right? Because if you're down in Serenity, you could totally see into the pool because it's like a kind of a, I don't know if you call it an infinity type thing, but it, it's a clear glass where if you're playing footsies or getting a little uh, whatever up there, you're, you're putting on a show for the people down in Serenity. You are putting a show for the people in the cheap seats. Literally the people in the cheap seats. They didn't pay anything for their seats, and they are able to look up and watch you yeah. frolic <laughs> in your uh, little tub. <laughs> it's, it's funny there. Well, let's talk about the ports of call you had on this seven-night cruise. So give us a port and give us a highlight. Okay. Honestly, couldn't care less about the ports. I was totally there for the ship. But 
Um, they did change our itinerary um, at the last minute. We were originally supposed to go to Grand Turk, which was the one port that I was actually looking forward to because I've always wanted to go to Grand Turk. But Grand Turk wasn't ready for guests yet. So um, instead, they sh- they changed it. And I crossed my fingers when they announced the change that maybe we would go to Half Moon Key. But no, we went to Nassau. You know, I just don't care about Nassau. Right. So, I mean, I got off the ship and I wandered around and I went to the, the little bar that I used to go to um, that has changed hands since last I was there. I used to be the Never Say Never Again bar, and it was themed around James Bond. Now it's sort of just, you know, a fancy, nice bar sitting in the water. Um, So that was Nassau. Nothing really exciting. Then we went to Amber Cove, which I'd never been to before. And Amber Cove is very nice. I didn't really do anything there. I kind of wandered around. There is a trail. There are two trails. One is a nature trail that is approximately... 40 feet long. (laughs) It's like you go on this nature trail thinking you're going to go hiking through the woods and you go past a waterfall and like a piece of amber and that's the entire (laughs) nature trail. Um, But then there's another trail that goes up to where the zip lines are. And the reason I went up there was not to zip line, but because there was this cool looking satellite dish up there. And I was like, Ooh, I kind of like technology. Let's go look at the satellite dish. Mm -hmm. Turns out it's not a satellite dish. It's actually a bar. (laughs) Um, (laughs) So there's a very cool bar. If you hike up to the top of Amber Cove, otherwise it's really just a lot of shops. Um, You know, so nothing particularly, it was nice, but I didn't love it. San Juan was was nice. I've been to San Juan once before. This time I, I did a lot of walking. I probably walked about 10 miles, walked over to one of the famous forts and explored that. And then heading through old San Juan, sort of literally stumbled across um, a museum that uh, it was like the, I can't remember what the name of the museum was, but it's right in the heart of, of old San Juan. And they just had some beautiful, really unusual exhibits of types of art that I had never seen anywhere else before. So that was definitely worth it. But like I said, overall, I was on this ship for the ship. I didn't much care where we were going. All right. Well, fair enough. Fair enough. So let's talk about briefly touch on the sea days because you were sailing at what was like 84, 85% capacity. Yeah, we were probably, we may have even been a little higher because you may recall that right before um, my sailing was when they announced that Carnival Horizon had to, um, they were canceling two or three sailings of Carnival Horizon because of um, issues with the engines or the azipods or whatever. So some of the people that were originally slated to go on that ship at the very last minute ended up booking on our ship. Um, In fact, people that you knew, I, I ended up coming over and being on our ship. So while they were probably originally sailing at say 80%, they probably added another like 5% with people coming over from horizon. And those are just guesses on my part. It's important to know that, you know, the cruise lines talk about how during this time of, you know, uh, the, the age of COVID, they are sailing at reduced capacity, but there is nothing saying they have to, uh, they can sail at whatever capacity they want to. So I, I mean, the ship, was probably fairly full. For the most part, it did not feel that way. I know one of the people things people have a lot of concerns about are elevators, you know, and how you can, elevators can be very crowded. For the most part, I did not experience that. I mean, I had plenty of times when I was like the only person in the elevator. There were a few times when the elevator doors would open. I'd be like, no, thank you. I'll wait. Um, or I'd take the stairs. Uh, but it didn't, it never really felt crowded. I would have liked to have seen more mask enforcement, honestly. Um, I, I, it's a difficult position that the staff is in, you know, because 
it's it's hard to get people to follow the rules, but those are the rules you signed up for when you came on this ship. And I saw several circumstances where either A, the staff just completely ignored the fact that the, the people were not, that people they were waiting on or serving were not masking, and other situations where some of the guests were downright rude when they were asked to follow the simplest of rules. Um, I had one woman sitting behind me um, at, when I went to see one of the shows. They have seats at the very front that they come around and they warn you. If you are sitting in these seats in the front, A, you cannot move for the hour that the show goes on because the staff, the um, cast members sort of come out and wander around and they'll be close to you. But they also say, if you are in these first three rows, it is 100% imperative that you must wear your mask at all times. And um, one of the women behind me, when they came around to say this was like, I'm from Ohio. We don't have to wear masks. And I don't know how either myself or the young man who was telling spreading this message didn't turn to her and say, you're not in Ohio, ma'am, <laughs> you know, um, <sighs> but but yeah, it never felt overly crowded, but there were a few times when I was a little, you know, a little wary. All right. So it's time to leave Mardi Gras. You're back into Port Canaveral. How was the debark process? Again, this goes back to that thing I was talking about before. They claim that you have priority debarkation if you are in one of the Excel suites. And I shouldn't say they claim because you do, but you only have priority debarkation if you are getting off the ship, you know, like at 7 a.m. On other lines, you know, basically you can set up your priority debarkation for whatever you want. They'll they'll arrange for you to, you know, just walk off the ship. Because I did not get off the ship at 7 a.m., I, I didn't. I, I wasn't going to be leaving um, Florida until three o'clock in the afternoon. So I had some time to kill because of that. I sort of hung out in my room until the last possible moment, which was eight 30, at which point debarkation was in full bloom. And despite the fact that they sort of do it by calling your zone and having people only come down supposedly when that zone is called, it was a bit of a madhouse. Um, it was, well organized. It was certainly better organized than my last NCL debarkation, which was a nightmare. But it was still, you know, I mean, there was there was a very, 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 very long line. And um, it, there were a lot of places where people would just cut into the line. And there were a lot of people who clearly um, their their um, luggage tag had not been called for. And they still came down and you know which i never understand because you're just going to get out there and have to stand around waiting for your luggage um so it was it was okay but again for being in an xl cabin and where you're supposed to have uh, certain perks that definitely was not the the priority debarkation was definitely not and you know just just to harp on that a little bit and i know i sound like a broken record and again i don't want to come off as like that guy who like i spent a lot of money i deserve you know this but you are spending a lot of money in part because that is what you expect and i found that this sort of was kind of a failure across the board like for example when i arrived in my stateroom there was a lovely like bottle of champagne and a bowl of fruit and next to the bowl of fruit was a little card saying you know check off which fruits you'd like for you know for us to bring you each day so i did i picked you know like apples and grapes or whatever and i never saw fruit again carnival right now has you choosing morning or evening room service you know you don't you you have to choose do you want them to come in the morning and make your bed or do you want them to come at night and turn down your bed um and to me if you are in you know that level of a suite you should probably get both you know 
Um, it just, it's just a lot of little things that you would get on other cruise lines that you don't hear. And I don't know if part of that is because of the health and safety protocols or if part of it is they're sort of still figuring out what they should be doing for people who are booking into these, you know, these particular suites that mm-hmm. they're doing a pretty hard sell on. Yeah, no, for sure. All right, before we wrap this, any tips you have for first timers on Mardi Gras? Yeah, don't stress out. Um, this is a very big ship and there is a lot on it and you are not going to experience it all. I mean, I'm a fairly experienced cruiser and I was shocked by how uh, I didn't, how many things I really never got to experience. There were shows that I didn't get to see um, because sometimes there were like three shows going on at the same time and you were like, okay, well, I got to see one of them. <laughs> you know, which one can I do? Don't skip the shows. The shows are incredible, except Broadway Beats. You can skip that one. Um, And, you know, make sure that you go into this. Oh, use the Hub app. You know, I know that people don't necessarily want to use their phones and they want to unplug from technology. But let me tell you, the Hub app will make everything so much easier. I know people like I get like preferring a paper menu. But I really liked using the QR codes on my phone. I thought it was kind of, uh, it worked a lot better than I expected it to. And just know you're not going to experience it all. And don't kill yourself trying to, you know, like let yourself relax. Let yourself say, okay, I'm not going to do anything today. I know there's 15 things on this ship that I want to do today, but I'm not going to do any of them. I'm just going to relax because you don't want to end your vacation and be stressed out because you spent the whole week running around trying to do things. Yeah, for sure. Looking back, what was your biggest highlight of the cruise? Oh, geez, that balcony. I mean, I know I have sounded like I'm complaining about the, you know, the the perks and stuff. And I'm not. I'm really just, you know, giving my honest assessment. But that balcony, I tell you what, it was the kind of thing where you just wanted to live there. If, if I could spend the rest of my life on that balcony, I would. The day bed alone, just it's perfectly positioned to watch the wake. Uh, I was on the 14th deck. Uh, and you can look down and summer landing is right beneath you. It just, yeah, that, that balcony was definitely worth it. Final thoughts of Mardi Gras. Love it. Would do it again in a heartbeat, especially if it comes to New York. <laughs> um, didn't, you know, I, I, I don't think that I will be flying to a cruise again anytime soon. My next cruise is in March and it'll be um, out of New York City on Norwegian Getaway. Loved it. I do think that there are some things that they need to sort of hammer out, but I will say that, you know, I've never had a bad cruise. Anybody who knows me knows that I, I love everything about cruising. I'm not, a, but I'm also not a cruise apologist. I also have no problem pointing out problems, but I would book this ship again in a heartbeat. I really, really, really loved it. And so much so that there were things that I usually do that I didn't get to, like the alchemy bar. You know, I love the alchemy bar. Never got to the alchemy bar. Wow. Okay. Not once. I know, right? All right. Well, we've been talking with staff writer Richard Sims about his seven-night cruise aboard Carnival's newest megaship, Mardi Gras, down there in Port Canaveral. Richard, thank you again, buddy. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Thanks to you and all the listeners, too. Have a question or a comment for the show? Yeah! Send an email or voice memo to Doug at CruiseRadio.net. A big question we get at Cruise Radio is, how do I know if I need trip insurance? Simple answer. If you're getting on a plane, taking a road trip, or getting on a cruise ship, you need to have travel insurance. 
Hey, it's Doug Parker for my friends at TripInsurance.com. Not, not only does TripInsurance.com protect your vacation investment, but it also gives you peace of mind in case anything were to go wrong on your trip. How do they do it? They offer three different types of trip insurance policies. Good, better, and best. One policy for every vacation budget. But it doesn't just stop there. They're up to 40% lower when you shop around on other comparison sites. Plus, TripInsurance.com offers 24-hour customer support before, during, and after your trip, online claims assistance, and travel alerts to let you know what's going on at your destination. But find out for yourself. Check out TripInsurance.com. All right, Dougie, let's see what we got for you, buddy. Cruise Radio is produced at the TripInsurance.com studios in Jacksonville, Florida. Get cruise news, ship reviews, and money-saving tips every Thursday on Cruise Radio. If you've enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the show. If you want to help spread the word, give Cruise Radio a five-star review. Find Cruise Radio where you listen to your favorite podcast or online at cruiseradio.net. I'm your announcer.